section four of sherman's march to the sea and the burning of columbia south carolina from his memoirs by william tecumseh sherman this librivox recording is in the public domain section four chapter twenty one part three having seen general hazen fairly off accompanied by general howard i rode with my staff down the left bank of the ogeechee ten miles to the rice plantation of a mr chevia where General Howard had established a signal station to overlook the lower river, and to watch for any vessel of the blockading squadron which the negroes reported to be expecting us, because they nightly sent up rockets and daily dispatched a steamboat up the Ogeechee as near to Fort McAllister as it was safe. On reaching the rice mill at Chivia's I found a guard and a couple of twenty-pound parrot gone, of de Grease's battery, which fired an occasional shot toward Fort McAllister, plainly seen over the salt marsh, about three miles distant. Fort McAllister had the rebel flag flying, and occasionally sent a heavy shot back across the marsh to where we were, but otherwise everything about the place looked as peaceable and quiet as on the Sabbath the signal officer had built a platform on the ridge-pole of the rice-mill leaving our horses behind the stacks of rice-straw we all got on the roof of a shed attached to the mill wherefrom i could communicate with the signal officer above and at the same time look out toward osaba sound and across the ogeechee river at fort McAllister. about two p m we observed signs of commotion in the fort and noticed one or two guns fired inland and some musket skirmishing in the woods close by this betokened the approach of hazen's division which had been anxiously expected and soon thereafter the signal officer discovered about three miles above the fort a signal flag with which he conversed and found it to belong to general hazen who was preparing to assault the fort and wanted to know if i were there on being assured of this fact and that i expected the fort to be carried before night i received by signal the assurance of general hazen that he was making his preparations and would soon attempt the assault the sun was rapidly declining and i was dreadfully impatient at that very moment some one discovered a faint cloud of smoke and an object gliding as it were along the horizon above the tops of the sedge toward the sea which little by little grew till it was pronounced to be the smokestack of a steamer coming up the river it must be one of our squadron soon the flag of the united states was plainly visible and our attention was divided between this approaching steamer and the expected assault when the sun was about an hour high another signal message came from general hazen that he was all ready and i replied to go ahead as a friendly steamer was approaching from below soon we made out a group of officers on the deck of the vessel signalling with a flag who are you the answer went back promptly general sherman then followed the question is fort mcallister taken not yet but it will be in a minute almost at that instant of time we saw hazen's troop come out of the dark fringe of woods that encompassed the fort the lines dressed as on parade with colours flying and moving forward with a quick steady pace Fort McAllister was then all alive, its big guns belching forth dense clouds of smoke, which soon enveloped our assaulting lines. One color went down, but was up in a moment. On the lines advanced, faintly seen in the white sulphurous smoke. 
there was a pause a sensation of fire the smoke cleared away and the parapets were blue with our men who fired their muskets in the air and shouted so that we actually heard them or felt that we did fort mcallister was taken and the good news was instantly sent by the signal officer to our navy friends on the approaching gunboat for a point of timber had shut out fort mcallister from their view and they had not seen the action at all but must have heard the cannonading during the progress of the assault our little group on cheevey's mill hardly breathed but no sooner did we see our flags on the parapet than i exclaimed in the language of the poor negro at cobb's plantation this nigger will have no sleep this night i was resolved to communicate with our fleet that night which happened to be a beautiful moonlit one at the wharf belonging to cheevey's mill was a smaller skiff that had been used by our men in fishing or in gathering oysters i was there in a minute called for a volunteer crew when several young officers nichols and merritt among the number said they were good oarsmen and volunteered to pull the boat down to fort mcallister general howard asked to accompany me so we took seats in the stern of the boat and our crew of officers pulled out with a will the tide was setting in strong and they had a hard pull for though the distance was but three miles in an air line the river was so crooked that the actual distance was fully six miles on the way down we passed the wreck of a steamer which had been sunk some years before during a naval attack on fort mcallister night had fairly set in when we discovered a soldier on the beach i hailed him and inquired if he knew where general hazen was he answered that the general was at the house of the overseer of the plantation mcallister's and that he could guide me to it we accordingly landed tied our boat to a drift log and followed our guide through bushes to a frame house standing in a grove of live oaks near a row of negro quarters general hazen was there with his staff in the act of getting supper he invited us to join them which we accepted promptly for we were really very hungry of course i congratulated hazen most heartily on his brilliant success and praised its execution very highly as it deserved and he explained to me more in detail the exact results the fort was an enclosed work and its land front was in the nature of a bastion and curtains with a good parapet ditch fraise and chevaux de frise made out of the large branches of live oaks luckily the rebels had left the larger and unwieldy trunks on the ground which served as good cover for the skirmish line which crept behind these logs and from them kept the artillerists from loading and firing their guns accurately the assault had been made by three parties in line one from below one from above the fort and the third directly in rear along the capital all were simultaneous and had to pass a good abatis and line of torpedoes which actually killed more of the assailants than the heavy guns of the fort which generally overshot the mark hazen's entire loss was reported killed and wounded ninety-two each party reached the parapet about the same time and the garrison inside of about two hundred and fifty men about fifty of them killed or wounded were in his power the commanding officer major anderson was at that moment a prisoner and general hazen invited him in to take supper with us which he did 
up to this time general hazen did not know that a gunboat was in the river below the fort for it was shut off from sight by a point of timber and i was determined to board her that night at whatever risk or cost as i wanted some news of what was going on in the outer world accordingly after supper we all walked down to the fort nearly a mile from the house where we had been entered fort mcallister held by a regiment of hazen's troops and the sentinel cautioned us to be very careful as the ground outside the fort was full of torpedoes indeed while we were there a torpedo exploded tearing to pieces a poor fellow who was hunting for a dead comrade inside the fort lay the dead as they had fallen and they could hardly be distinguished from their living comrades sleeping soundly side by side in the pale moonlight in the river close by the fort was a good yawl tied to a stake but the tide was high and it required some time to get it into the bank the commanding officer whose name i cannot recall manned the boat with a good crew of his men and with general howard i entered and pulled down stream regardless of the warnings all about the torpedoes the night was unusually bright and we expected to find the gunboat within a mile or so but after pulling down the river fully three miles and not seeing the gunboat i began to think she had turned and gone back to the sound but we kept on following the bends of the river and about six miles below mcallister we saw her light and soon were hailed by the vessel at anchor pulling alongside we announced ourselves and were received with great warmth and enthusiasm on deck by half a dozen naval officers among them captain williamson united states navy she proved to be the dandelion a tender of the regular gunboat flag posted at the mouth of the ogeechee all sorts of questions were made and answered and we learned that captain duncan had safely reached the squadron had communicated the good news of our approach and they had been expecting us for some days they explained that admiral dahlgren commanded the south atlantic squadron which was then engaged in blockading the coast from charleston south and was on his flagship the harvest moon lying in wassaw sound that general j g foster was in command of the department of the south with his headquarters at hilton head and that several ships loaded with stores for the army were lying at tybee roads and in port royal sound from these officers i also learned that general grant was still besieging petersburg and richmond and that matters and things generally remained pretty much the same as when we had left atlanta all thoughts seemed to have been turned to us in georgia cut off from all communication with our friends and the rebel papers had reported us to be harassed defeated starving and fleeing for safety to the coast i then asked for pen and paper and wrote several hasty notes to general foster admiral dahlgren general grant and the secretary of war giving in general terms the actual state of affairs the fact of the capture of fort mcallister and of my desire that means should be taken to establish a line of supply from the vessels in port up the ogeechee to the rear of the army as a sample i give one of these notes addressed to the secretary of war intended for publication to relieve the anxiety of our friends at the north generally on board dandelion osobo sound december thirteenth eighteen sixty four eleven fifty p m to hon e m stanton secretary of war washington d c 
Today at 6 p.m., General Hazen's division of the 15th Corps carried Fort McAllister by assault, capturing its entire garrison and stores. This opened to us Osabo Sound, and I pushed down to this gunboat to communicate with the fleet. Before opening communication, we had completely destroyed all the railroads leading into Savannah and invested the city. The left of the army was on the Savannah River, three miles above the city, and the right on the Ogeechee at King's Bridge. The army is in splendid order and equal to anything. The weather has been fine, and supplies were abundant. Our march was most agreeable, and we were not at all molested by guerrillas. We reached Savannah three days ago, but owing to Fort McAllister, could not communicate. But now that we have McAllister, we can go ahead. We have already captured two boats on the Savannah River and prevented their gunboats from coming down. I estimate the population of Savannah at 25,000 and the garrison at 15,000. General Hardy commands. We have not lost a wagon on the trip, but have gathered a large supply of negroes, mules, horses, etc., and our teams are in far better condition than when we started. My first duty will be to clear the army of surplus negroes, mules, and horses. We have utterly destroyed over two hundred miles of rails, and consumed stores and provisions that were essential to Lee's and Hood's armies. The quick work made with McAllister, the opening of communication with our fleet, and our consequent independence as to supplies, dissipate all their boasted threats to head us off and starve the army i regard savannah as already gained yours truly w t sherman major-general by this time the night was well advanced and the tide was running ebb strong so i asked captain williamson to tow us up as near fort mcallister as he would venture for the torpedoes of which the navy officers had a wholesome dread the dandelion steamed up three or four miles till the lights of Fort McAllister could be seen, when she anchored, and we pulled to the fort in our own boat. General Howard and I then walked up to the McAllister house, where we found General Hazen and his officers asleep on the floor of one of the rooms. Lying down on the floor, I was soon fast asleep, but shortly became conscious that someone in the room was inquiring for me among the sleepers calling out i was told that an officer of general foster's staff had just arrived from a steamboat anchored below mcallister that the general was extremely anxious to see me on important business but that he was lame from an old mexican war wound and could not possibly come to me i was extremely weary from the incessant labor of the day and night before but got up and again walked down the sandy road to McAllister, where I found a boat awaiting us, which carried us some three miles down the river to the steamer W. W. Coit, I think, on board of which we found General Foster. He had just come from Port Royal, expecting to find Admiral Dahlgren in Osibo Sound, and, hearing of the capture of Fort McAllister, he had come to see me he described fully the condition of affairs with his own command in south carolina he had made several serious efforts to effect a lodgment on the railroad which connects savannah with charleston near poco taligo but had not succeeded in reaching the railroad itself though he had a full division of troops strongly entrenched near broad river within cannon range of the railroad 
he explained moreover that there were at port royal abundant supplies of bread and provisions as well as of clothing designed for our use we still had in our wagons and in camp abundance of meat but we needed bread sugar and coffee and it was all-important that a route of supply should at once be opened for which purpose the assistance of the navy were indispensable we accordingly steamed down the ogeechee river to osobo sound in hopes to meet admiral dahlgren but he was not there and we continued on by the inland channel to warsaw sound where we found the harvest moon and admiral dahlgren i was not personally acquainted with him at the time but he was so extremely kind and courteous that i was at once attracted to him there was nothing in his power he said which he would not do to assist us to make our campaign absolutely successful he undertook at once to find vessels of light draught to carry our supplies from port royal to cheevey's mill or to grog's bridge above whence they could be hauled by wagons to our several camps he offered to return with me to fort mcallister to superintend the removal of the torpedoes and to relieve me of all the details of this most difficult work general foster then concluded to go to port royal to send back to us six hundred thousand rations and all the rifled guns of heavy calibre and ammunition on hand with which i thought we could reach the city of savannah from the positions already secured admiral dahlgren then returned with me in the harvest moon to fort mcallister this consumed all of the fourteenth of december and by the fifteenth i had again reached cheevey's mill where my horse awaited me and rode on to general howard's headquarters at anderson's plantation on the plank road about eight miles back of savannah i reached this place about noon and immediately sent orders by my own headquarters on the louisville road to have them brought over to the plank road as a place more central and convenient gave written notice to general slocum and howard of all the steps taken and ordered them to get ready to receive the siege guns to put them in position to bombard savannah and to prepare for the general assault the country back of savannah is very low and intersected with innumerable salt-water creeks swamps and rice-fields fortunately the weather was good and the roads were passable but should the winter rain set in i knew that we would be much embarrassed therefore heavy details of men were at once put to work to prepare a wharf and depot at grog's bridge and the roads leading thereto were corduroyed in advance the ogeechee canal was also cleared out for use and boats such as were common on the river plantations were collected in which to float stores from our proposed base on the ogeechee to the points most convenient to the several camps slocum's wing extended from the savannah river to the canal and howard's wing from the canal to the extreme right along down the little ogeechee the enemy occupied not only the city itself with its long line of outer works but the many forts which had been built to guard the approaches from the sea such as boileur rosedew white bluff bonaventura thunderbolt canston's bluff forts tatnall bogs etc etc i knew that general harder could not have a garrison strong enough for all these purposes and i was therefore anxious to break his lines before he could receive reinforcements from virginia or augusta 
general slocum had already captured a couple of steamboats trying to pass down the savannah river from augusta and had established some of his men on argyle and hutchinson islands above the city and wanted to transfer a whole corps to the south carolina bank but as the enemy had ironclad gunboats in the river i did not deem it prudent because the same result could be better accomplished from general foster's position at broad river fort mcallister was captured as described late in the evening of december thirteenth and by the sixteenth many steamboats had passed up as high as king's bridge among them one which general grant had dispatched with the mails for the army which had accumulated since our departure from atlanta under charge of colonel a h markland these mails were most welcome to all the officers and soldiers of the army which had been cut off from friends and the world for two months and this prompt receipt of letters from home had an excellent effect making us feel that home was near by this vessel also came lieutenant dune aide-de-camp with the following letter of december third from general grant and on the next day colonel babcock united states engineers arrived with the letter of december sixth both of which are in general grant's own handwriting and are given entire headquarters armies of the united states city point virginia december three eighteen sixty four major general w t sherman commanding armies near savannah georgia general the little information gleaned from the southern press indicating no great obstacle to your progress i have directed your mails which had been previously collected at baltimore by colonel markland special agent of the post office department to be sent as far as the blockading squadron off savannah to be forwarded to you as soon as heard from on the coast not liking to rejoice before the victory is assured i abstain from congratulating you and those under your command until bottom has been struck i have never had a fear however for the result since you left atlanta no very great progress has been made here the enemy has been closely watched though and prevented from detaching against you i think not one man has gone from here except some twelve or fifteen hundred dismounted cavalry bragg has gone from wilmington i am trying to take advantage of his absence to get possession of that place owing to some preparations admiral porter and general butler are making to blow up fort fisher which while hoping for the best i do not believe a particle in there is a delay in getting this expedition off i hope they will be ready to start by the seventh and that bragg will not have started back by that time in this letter i do not intend to give you anything like directions for future action but will state a general idea i have and will get your views after you have established yourself on the sea-coast with your veteran army i hope to get control of the only two through routes from east to west possessed by the enemy before the fall of atlanta the condition will be filled by holding savannah and augusta or by holding any other port to the east of savannah and branchville if wilmington falls a force from there can cooperate with you thomas has got back into the defences of nashville with hood close upon him decatur has been abandoned and so have all the roads except the main one leading to chattanooga part of this falling back was undoubtedly necessary and all of it may have been it did not look so however to me 
in my opinion thomas far outnumbers hood in infantry in cavalry hood has the advantage in morale and numbers i hope yet that hood will be badly crippled if not destroyed the general news you will learn from the papers better than i can give it after all becomes quiet and roads become so bad up here that there is likely to be a week or two when nothing can be done i will run down the coast to see you if you desire it i will ask mrs sherman to go with me yours truly u s grant lieutenant general headquarters of the armies of the united states city point virginia december sixth eighteen sixty four major general w t sherman commanding military division of the mississippi general on reflection since sending my letter by the hands of lieutenant dunn i have concluded that the most important operation toward closing out the rebellion will be to close out lee and his army you have now destroyed the roads of the south so that it will probably take them three months without interruption to re-establish a through line from east to west in that time i think the job here will be effectually completed my idea now is that you establish a base on the sea coast fortify and leave in it all your artillery and cavalry and enough infantry to protect them and at the same time to threaten the interior that the militia of the south will have to be kept at home with the balance of your command come here by water with all dispatch select yourself the officer to leave in command but you i want in person unless you see objections to this plan which i cannot see use every vessel going to you for purposes of transportation hood has thomas close in nashville i have said all i can to force him to attack without giving the positive order until to-day to-day however i could stand it no longer and gave the order without any reserve i think the battle will take place to-morrow the result will probably be known in new york before colonel babcock the bearer of this will leave it colonel babcock will give you full information of all operations now in progress very respectfully your obedient servant u s grant lieutenant-general the contents of these letters gave me great uneasiness for i had set my heart on the capture of savannah which i believed to be practicable and to be near for me to embark for virginia by sea was so complete a change from what i had supposed would be the course of events that i was very much concerned i supposed as a matter of course that a fleet of vessels would soon pour in ready to convey the army to virginia and as general grant's orders contemplated my leaving the cavalry trains and artillery behind i judged fort mcallister to be the best place for the purpose and sent my chief engineer colonel poe to that fort to reconnoitre the ground and to prepare it so as to make a fortified camp large enough to accommodate the vast herd of mules and horses that would thus be left behind and as some time might be required to collect the necessary shipping which i estimated at little less than a hundred steamers and sailing vessels i determined to push operations in hopes to secure the city of savannah before the necessary fleet could be available all these ideas are given in my answer to general grant's letters dated december sixteenth eighteen sixty four herewith which is a little more full than the one printed in the report of the committee on the conduct of the war because in that copy i omitted the matter concerning general thomas which now need no longer be withheld 
headquarters military division of the mississippi in the field near savannah december sixteenth eighteen sixty four lieutenant-general u s grant commander-in-chief city point virginia general i received day before yesterday at the hands of lieutenant dunn your letter of december eighth and last night at the hands of colonel babcock that of december sixth i had previously made you a hasty scrawl from the tugboat dandelion in ogeechee river advising you that the army had reached the sea-coast destroying all the railroads across the state of georgia investing closely the city of savannah and had made connection with the fleet since writing that note i have in person met and conferred with general foster and admiral dahlgren and made all the arrangements which were deemed essential for reducing the city of savannah to our possession but since the receipt of yours of the sixth i have initiated measures looking principally to coming to you with fifty or sixty thousand infantry and incidentally to capture savannah if time will allow at the time we carried fort mcallister by assault so handsomely with its twenty-two guns and entire garrison i was hardly aware of its importance but since passing down the river with general foster and up with admiral dahlgren i realize how admirably adapted are osabao sound and ogeechee river to supply an army operating against savannah seagoing vessels can easily come to king's bridge a point on ogeechee river fourteen and a half miles due west of savannah from which point we have roads leading to all our camps the country is low and sandy and cut up with marshes which in wet weather will be very bad but we have been so favoured with weather that they are all now comparatively good and heavy details are constantly employed in double corduroying the marshes so that i have no fears even of bad weather fortunately also by liberal and judicious foraging we reached the sea-coast abundantly supplied with forage and provisions needing nothing on arrival except bread of this we started from atlanta with from eight to twenty days supply per corps and some of the troops only had one day's issue of bread during the trip of thirty days yet they did not want for sweet potatoes were very abundant as well as corn-meal and our soldiers took to them naturally we started with about five thousand head of cattle and arrived with over ten thousand of course consuming mostly turkeys chickens sheep hogs and the cattle of the country as to our mules and horses we left atlanta with about twenty five hundred wagons many of which were drawn by mules which had not recovered from the chattanooga starvation all of which were replaced the poor mules shot and our transportation is now in superb condition i have no doubt the state of georgia has lost by our operations fifteen thousand first-rate mules as to horses kilpatrick collected all his remounts and it looks to me in riding along our columns as though every officer had three or four led horses and each regiment seems to be followed by at least fifty negroes and foot-sore soldiers riding on horses and mules the custom was for each brigade to send out daily a foraging party of about fifty men on foot who invariably return mounted with several wagons loaded with poultry potatoes etc and as the army is composed of about forty brigades you can estimate approximately the number of horses collected great numbers of these were shot by my order because of the disorganizing effect on our infantry of having too many idlers mounted 
general euston is now engaged in collecting statistics on this subject but i know the government will never receive full accounts of our captures although the result aimed at was fully attained viz to deprive our enemy of them all these animals i will have sent to port royal or collected behind fort mcallister to be used by general saxton in his farming operations or by the quartermaster's department after they are systematically accounted for while general easton is collecting transportation for my troops to james river i will throw to port royal island all our means of transportation i can and collect the rest near fort mcallister covered by the ogeechee river and entrenchments to be erected and for which captain poe my chief engineer is now reconnoitring the ground but in the meantime will act as i have begun as though the city of savannah were my objective namely the troops will continue to invest savannah closely making attacks and feints wherever we have fair ground to stand upon and i will place some thirty-pound parrots which i have got from general foster in position near enough to reach the centre of the city and then will demand its surrender if general hardy is alarmed or fears starvation he may surrender otherwise i will bombard the city but not risk the lives of our men by assaults across the narrow causeways by which alone i can now reach it if i had time savannah with all its dependent fortifications would surely fall into our possession for we hold all its avenues of supply the enemy has made two desperate efforts to get boats from above to the city in both of which he has been foiled general slocum whose left flank rests on the river capturing and burning the first boat and in the second instance driving back two gunboats and capturing the steamer resolute with seven naval officers and a crew of twenty-five seamen general slocum occupies argyle island and the upper end of hutchinson island and has a brigade on the south carolina shore opposite and is very urgent to pass one of his corps over to that shore but in view of the change of plan made necessary by your order of the sixth i will maintain things in statu quo till i have got all my transportation to the rear and out of the way and until i have sea transportation for the troops you require at james river which i will accompany and command in person of course i will leave kilpatrick with his cavalry say five thousand three hundred and it may be a division of the fifteenth corps but before determining on this i must see general foster and may arrange to shift his force now over above the charleston railroad at the head of broad river to the ogeechee where in cooperation with kilpatrick's cavalry he can better threaten the state of georgia than from the direction of port royal besides i would much prefer not to detach from my regular corps any of its veteran divisions and would even prefer that other less valuable troops should be sent to reinforce foster from some other quarter my four corps full of experience and full of ardor coming to you en masse equal to sixty thousand fighting men will be a reinforcement that lee cannot disregard indeed with my present command i can expect after reducing savannah instantly to march to columbia south carolina thence to raleigh and thence to report to you but this would consume it may be six weeks time after the fall of savannah 
whereas by sea I can probably reach you with my men and arms before the middle of January. I myself am somewhat astonished at the attitude of things in Tennessee. I purposely delayed at Kingston until General Thomas assured me that he was all ready, and my last dispatch from him of the 12th of November was full of confidence, in which he promised me that he would ruin Hood if he dared to advance from Florence, urging me to go ahead and give myself no concern about Hood's army in Tennessee why he did not turn on him at franklin after checking and discomfiting him surpasses my understanding indeed i do not approve of his evacuating decatur but think he should have assumed the offensive against hood from pulaski in the direction of waynesburg i know full well that general thomas is slow in mind and in action but he is judicious and brave and the troops feel great confidence in him I still hope he will outmaneuver and destroy Hood. As to matters in the southeast, I think Hardy in Savannah has good artillerists, some five or six thousand good infantry, and it may be a mongrel mass of eight to ten thousand militia. In all our marching through Georgia, he has not forced us to use anything but a skirmish line, though at several points he had erected fortifications and tried to alarm us by bombastic threats. In Savannah he has taken refuge in a line constructed behind swamps and overflowed rice-fields, extending from a point on the Savannah River about three miles above the city, around by a branch of the Little Ogeechee, which stream is impassable from its salt marshes and boggy swamps crossed only by narrow causeways or common corduroy roads there must be twenty-five thousand citizens men women and children in savannah that must also be fed and how he is to feed them beyond a few days i cannot imagine i know that his requisitions for corn on the interior counties were not fulfilled and we are in possession of the rice-fields and mills which could alone be of service to him in this neighborhood he can draw nothing from south carolina save from a small corner down in the southeast and that by a disused wagon road i could easily get possession of this but hardly deem it worth the risk of making a detachment which would be in danger by its isolation from the main army our whole army is in fine condition as to health and the weather is splendid for that reason alone i feel a personal dislike to turning northward i will keep lieutenant dunn here until i know the result of my demand for the surrender of savannah but whether successful or not shall not delay my execution of your order of the sixth which will depend alone upon the time it will require to obtain transportation by sea i am with respect etc your obedient servant w t sherman major-general united states army End of section four.